to, or we are going to take a look at the story of uh, a couple of men who are walking on a road. It's the day of the resurrection, and they're going back to their hometown of Emmaus. Emmaus is about seven miles from Jerusalem. And so they're walking and talking about what they've just seen or what's, what they've heard of. And, and we're going to see the questions they have and, and just what they're thinking about the events that have taken place. And I think a lot of times for us too, we, you know, things happen and maybe sometimes we sit back and say, wow, what was that? Or maybe what was God doing or how was God working in that situation? And, and we're going to take a look at these two men as they walk and share. In Luke, the 24th chapter, beginning at the, the uh, 13th verse. It says, Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day, the same day of the resurrection, to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all the things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem and have not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, well, what things? And they said to him, well, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and all rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides of all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had, not, they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart, to believe in all, the, in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and the prophets, he expounded to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have, he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us while we talked, while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were gathered together. So here we see these these two gentlemen walking down the road and, and they're discussing what's happened. And it says they were sad. They were sad. Everything that happened and they, they really seems like they kind of missed a lot of it. They were trying to figure it out. They were kind of talking about it. What, you know, what happened? Not so sure, but it says they were sad. And I thought about the times when, you know, maybe God does things and God works in our lives and all. But, but sometimes, just like these two, we can have doubts. You know, there, there were still some doubts in their mind. You know, they were just not sure 
what had really happened. Could it, could it really be true? Could it, could it really be true? It was almost too good to be true. Hard to believe. Hard to believe. You know, and they're just kind of pondering these things. And, and I think a lot of times in our own lives, I think doubt is something that we personally also have to deal with. You know, I think, I think if we're honest about it, we have to say that, you know, there's always some doubts we have to fight about different things. You know, wondering just what's going on. You know, there's a, there's a story in Mark, the 19th chapter. In Mark, the 19th, or excuse me, the 9th chapter, the 23rd verse, there was a man who brought his, his uh, son to Jesus who, who delivered him. And Jesus said to this man, he says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. So Jesus says, you know, if you can believe, all things are possible. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. And so when Jesus saw the people come running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to him, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you to come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly and came out. And he became as one dead. And so that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. The man said, I believe, help my unbelief. I think there's a lot of times, if we're honest, that things come up and we believe, but it's the doubts we have to deal with. It's not that we don't believe. You know, I think there's a lot of times we we know what the truth is, or or we think we know, or it's like, well, I I know, but, 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 it's always the buts. It's It's the doubts we have. And I believe life is kind of like that sometimes. Now, a lot of times Christians don't want to admit it because we're not supposed to have doubts, so it's like we just don't admit it to one another. I just don't talk about it, you know. But I think a lot of times as we face different things in life, it's the doubts that get us. It's the doubts that get us. The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I can believe things I see. I can believe things I see. But it's the things I can't see that are so hard. It's the things that I, I can't see that, that cause doubt sometimes. Like, well, you know, I, I know what the Bible says, but. You know, but faith is the evidence of things not seen. You know, it's that, like somebody told me a long time ago, it says, she said to me, she says, it's that faith thing that gets me. <laughs> well, the faith thing will get you. Because <laughs> that's what it is. We walk by faith. and We don't walk by what we see. You know, the Bible doesn't say we walk by what we see. You know, we're, we're asked to walk by what we don't see. And it is a faith thing. It's like, oh, yeah, that's hard. And so doubts come sometimes. But when doubts come, what do we do? What do I do? Well, we have choices then, you know. And let me say this. You dwell on the doubt, and you're going down. It, it's, it, you dwell on the doubt. You know, sometimes we do that. We dwell on the doubt, and we dwell on, well, I'm not sure. It's not so wrong to have doubt, but if you dwell on the doubt, 
it's going to take you in a bad direction. It's going to take you in a bad direction. So if I get doubts, which I think if we're honest, at times we all have doubts, what do we do about it? What did Jesus do? Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith does not come naturally. Faith does not come from worldly advice. Faith does not come by reason. You can't reason yourself into faith. Faith does not come from experience of other people. So many times, you know, if you expect to get faith and you, you talk to worldly people and you ask them, they're going to tell you all the bad things that happen to people that are going through what you're going through. They're going to say, yeah, I knew somebody just like it. They died. They didn't, you know, whatever. Bad things happen. You know, those things are not going to, they're going to increase your doubt. So the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In 1 Corinthians 5, 7, it says we walk by faith. We walk by faith. I always think it's important to know that you don't sit still by faith. It doesn't take any faith to sit still. It takes faith to walk. It takes faith to do what you need to do, to step out. I'm always, always reminded of that story when the Israelites crossed the Red Sea. You know, they, the waters, waters split when they stepped their feet into the water. I want the water to split before I get there. I want the water to split so I can go, okay, it's okay now. You know, but they, they put their feet in the water. You know, and so, so we have to have faith. We walk by faith. James 2.17 says, faith without works is dead. So we need faith. We need faith. These two, these two men, as they walked, they needed faith. They were struggling. They were sad. They had doubt. And what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? Well, it says that he started to tell them about the Scriptures. He started to tell them about the Scriptures. He started to expound to them what the Bible says. And he started in the beginning. He started in the beginning. And he started to explain to them. One of the things that they had also along with this doubt was they had wrong expectations. You know, there's a whole lot of times I think in life that, you know, we maybe doubt, but we can also have wrong expectations about what's supposed to happen. These two said that, well, they thought Jesus was going to come and establish a kingdom. They thought he was going to come and take care of Rome. They wanted him to get rid of this bad government that was in charge of them. And so they thought that he was going to do that. And all of a sudden, he went to a cross. You know, before this, there was a, one of the mothers said, well, when you get into your place of control over this government could you put one of my sons on your right hand and one on your left give them a position in your government now they were always looking for a way out of this bad government kind of makes you wonder today you know i think sometimes we kind of talk like that you know we want our way out of this bad government i think there's a way out i think there's a way out one day Jesus is going to come and he's going to establish his kingdom forever. I know that's the way out. 
Until then, I'm not sure how it's all going to transpire. But I know one day he's going to set up a, a kingdom. He's going to set up a government. And he's going to be in charge. But these two, they had wrong expectations. They were struggling because all of a sudden, the one who they thought was going to set them free from all this turmoil and all this uh, corrupt government died on a cross. And so we have to be careful that we don't let wrong expectations get us. That we don't have wrong expectations, things that, well, this is how I think life ought to be. This is how I think people ought to act, or this is how I think things ought to be. How many times do we think like that? And then how many times do we pray like that? After we think that way, then we ask God to do what? We ask God to bless whatever it is I've decided, or we ask him to change everybody to the way I think it ought to be. I think sometimes we have to be very careful about our expectations, about our expectations, what it is we think. And so then what did Jesus do with all this doubt, all these wrong expectations? He started to share the scripture with them. And he started at the beginning. He started with Moses and the prophets. What was he doing? What was he doing? He started by telling them the truth. He started by telling the truth. If you want to get rid of doubt and wrong expectations, you got to start with the truth. And you got to decide where you get truth from. What is true? There's a scripture that I used to kind of struggle with, but it's so true. The Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. So I have to decide. I have to start with truth. I have to start with truth. I have to start with his word. If I'm going to get rid of doubt and wrong expectations, I have to see that I need to start with the truth. And that's what Jesus did with these folks. He started by telling them the truth. And, you know, the truth will open our eyes. The truth will open our eyes if we trust it and believe it, if we accept it, if we accept it. And so he did that, and they walked a while. Then they got to their house, and then Jesus did something else. He sat down with them. He sat down with them, and he sat at the table. He took some bread, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. And then their eyes were open. What, what happened there? What happened there? Well, they saw something. They experienced something. I believe, I believe it's so important that we not only just hear the Word of God and accept the Word of God, but I believe that God wants to make himself real to us. He wants to make himself real to us. We need to trust him. We need to trust him that he can do that. That he can do that. That he will make himself real to us. You know, when he broke bread with them and blessed it and gave it to them, it says their eyes were opened and they knew him. What did they know? They knew who he was. They knew him. It wasn't just an educational trip. It wasn't just, and, and like I say, it starts with Scripture. You have to have that Scripture, the truth, but I believe our eyes have to be opened. 
The Bible says that there's a lot of people who see but can't see, who hear but can't hear. They can read the Word of God, but they can't hear the Word of God. And what has to happen is they have to know the one. You have to have that knowing. And when Jesus did that very personal thing, because I think there's a good chance that they were part of a bigger group of disciples that saw Jesus the night he was betrayed. They saw him. They knew that he took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them. And when he did that, I believe there was that relationship and they knew it was him. They knew it was him. There has to be that knowing. There has to be that relationship. It it has to come to a point that he becomes real to us. It's not just enough to have the information. There comes a point you have to know him. That's always one of my, I don't know if it's a big struggle, but it's always one of my concerns. It's always one of my concerns that people have information, but they don't know him. They have information. Information is information, and it's good. I'm not, I'm not condemning information. I'm not condemning knowing the truth. I'm not condemning knowing God's word. But unless the Holy Spirit takes that word of God and makes it alive in our hearts, and we know him, it's just information. It's just information. That is one of the dangers of children who are born in the church. Children who are born in the church get the information from childhood, which they should. We should teach them, teach them, teach them, teach them. But it's information until it becomes real to them. Sometimes the danger is we think it's real when it's just information. When it's not a relationship. There has to come that point where there's a knowing. You know, I know that my Redeemer, Job says, I know that my Redeemer, he knew. He didn't say, I know there is a Redeemer. He said, I know my Redeemer lives. See, there's a difference. I can know there's a God. Yeah, I know there's a God. I know that he died on the cross. I know he loves me. But he died on the cross for me. And he loves me. And I know him. I know him. My eyes were open. And they knew him. And they said, wow, didn't our hearts burn within us while we talked with him? Wow. That was real. That was real. How did it start? It started with doubt. It started with, well, I'm not sure what's going on. I'm not sure. You know, I thought he was going to do this, and he ended up doing this. Didn't look so good, you know. I thought he was going to reign, throw out Rome. He ends up dying on a cross. The Roman government puts him on a cross. I don't know. It doesn't look good. But then they heard the truth. And then their eyes were opened. Their eyes were open, and they knew him. They knew him. And that has to happen for us. That has to happen for us. We have to know him. We have to know him. And when I know him, what, is, what difference does that make? Well, now because I know him, then he dwells within me. And what difference does that make? Well, 
As I walk, I trust him. As I walk, I try to obey him. As I walk, I serve him. It now produces certain actions within me. I'm now a representative for him. And you know, it's hard to represent somebody if we don't know them. You can, you can try sometimes, and, you know, but it's kind of half-hearted. You know, it's kind of half-hearted. And usually if you just try half-heartedly and somebody questions you, you'll say, well, I kind of think so, maybe. But when you know, you know. And when you know, it doesn't matter what somebody says because you know. And I believe sometimes as Christians, we try to witness out of information instead of out of knowing. You know, I think sometimes we try to say, well, you know, you should, you know, you should trust God. And, you know, the Bible says you should do this and this. And that's all true. But you know something? When you say, you know what? I know who Jesus is. And this is what he does for me. And this is what he's done for me. You know, that's a lot harder to argue with than it is, well, here's some information. Now, you can not believe me. That's okay. But it's hard to argue with that. Because I know. I know. And I don't have to argue. I don't have to argue because I just know. I know. And I believe for us then as we see these two, you know, we're not really told what happens down the road with them. They went back and, you know, they, they, they'd walk seven miles to get home. And the Bible says they, they turned right around and took off back to Jerusalem. So, you know, it's kind of obvious something happened. I mean, you know, in those days, you know, if you walk seven miles to get home, you're not going to get there in the evening and then say, wow, let's take off back seven miles the other way. And, you know, something happened. They, they wanted to spread this out. They wanted to tell. They wanted to tell the other disciples, you know, that we, we, we talked to the Lord, you know. We conversed with him. We walked with him. You know, when I, when I grew up, there was, there was some hymns in, in our church that uh, were kind of always reminding me. And I thought about that when I was thinking about this message. But um, there was some hymns that uh, talked about coming to a garden. And, you know, it talked about he walks with me and he talks with me. And he tells me I'm his own. That's real personal. Real personal. I was really sad at one time in my life when I was told by not, but anyway, some people said, well, they didn't like that song, hymn, because it was just too personal. I was like, wow, too personal. It is personal, you know. It, it's meant to be. You know, this, Jesus is meant to be personal. He walks with me, he talks with me. You know, these two had that experience on the road. And I believe each and every one of us need to have some type of that experience. It has to become real to us in a way that we know. We know him. I don't know about him. I can know about him, but I know him. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. That's the difference. You know, not all of us get a chance to maybe walk in a seven-mile trip with Jesus like this. But I believe everybody gets a chance. A chance 
a chance to make that choice, a chance to make that decision. We all, we all get that chance. We hear the word of God, but then we act upon it. We receive it. We know. We know who he is, and we know he's with us. The Bible says he'll never leave us or forsake us. Because I know. I know. And you know, it's not so much a debatable thing. It's a knowing thing. It's just a knowing thing. And I believe each and every one of us can have that confidence to know. To know what he did for us. And to know that he wants to dwell within us. He wants to walk with us. He wants to talk with us. He wants to tell us that we're his own that we're as children. It's very, very personal. We all can have that kind of walk. Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, I just pray, Lord, that if there's anyone here this morning that, Lord, they may know about you, but, Lord, they've never known you in a very personal way accepted you as their Lord and Savior and know that you dwell within them, the Lord, you would encourage them to make that decision today. Because, Lord, it's basically just a decision to accept what you've done for us and to allow you to come in. Lord, open our hearts, open our eyes. Let your Holy Spirit just reveal yourself to us. Lord, we thank you for that love a love that's very hard to understand sometimes. A love that is accepting. A love that is unconditional. A love that has no bounds. Lord, help us to receive that love. Lord, I just pray if anyone has a, a need to pray with someone this morning. Sometimes when we make those decisions, it's good to share it with somebody. Maybe we can share with a friend. doesn't have to be with our prayer team, but Lord, if they'd like to come up and let our prayer team pray with them, they'd be glad to pray with them about any decisions they make or any need they might have. Lord, we thank you. You're a God who's not afar off, but you're right here with us. So Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, we just ask you to be with us now as we go out throughout this week. Lord, help us to remember and to know that you're always there. You never leave us or forsake us. Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you for your presence with us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said.